Welcome to TalkScript, a superset of a podcast about JavaScript. The presenting sponsor of TalkScript is SitePen, a JavaScript consultancy helping companies improve their apps, tools, and teams. Check it out at sitepen.com. Let's find out if TalkScript is your type of podcast. Well, we are here again for our TalkScript episode 22. We're going to be talking about TypeScript generics today, among other exciting things. I'm Neil Roberts. I'm just happy to be here. (laughs) <laughs> I'm here with Paul Shannon. Hey, y'all. How's it going? And Nick Nisi. hey And we are all regular guests. We have no guest speaker today. We'll be the guests today. <laughs> we'll be the guests today. So we want to get started with some TypeScript community updates. I think Paul has some things to tell us. Sure, just a few. So it's been a while since I've been on the podcast. So I thought I'd mention, hey, guys, TypeScript 3.1 is out. It came out a little while ago, but this is what you get for not booking me. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. uh, TypeScript 3.1 has been out. It has a, a few fixes. The The best thing that they have out is they fixed, they fixed generic transformations since we're talking about generics today. So it is aware of arrays. So it used to be if you would say, hey, all of the properties on this thing should be this type, say a string. It would do that for everything. So like for each would become a string on your arrays and, you know, great things like that. So the length property, the length property, it's like, oh, yeah, length, length, that should be a string. Sure. So they fixed that, which is a great like quality of life improvement. Thanks. Thanks, guys. <laughs> yeah. So so that's good. They're also doing some funny things with type versions, mostly for, you know, ambient types and, and things like that. And then I don't know if you guys heard, but Dojo 4 came out. It did. What? Yeah, I know, Nick. <laughs> Nick, you're the one that does the upgrade path, or at least for the last two, right? Yeah, the the upgrade tool. So that's been nice. I, I used that, and it made it pretty smooth for, for one of the, the side projects I've been playing around with. Awesome. Yeah. Happy to hear it works. <laughs> <laughs> you don't test it? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, it just does nothing. It's just like, hey, I upgraded it. <laughs> yeah, upgraded it. You're so good now. What what are some big features in Dojo 4? So they, they kind of redid the the render engine entirely, which sets us up for kind of the next generation of what we want to do. It puts widgets and virtual DOM objects on kind of equal footing there. A bunch of other things happened from that. So I'm not going to try to cover them all. I, I would just go to Dojo IO and check it out. There's been improvements on like the outlets and and how those are done. So it's not like a global thing anymore. It's actually like a widget that you put into your other widgets that you can say like, hey, when you're, I'm on this outlet, I'm going to do this thing. So yeah, anyway, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. Totally recommend checking out Dojo.io. The other big change, big breaking change is we had to say goodbye to all of the kind of stuff that was supported from Dojo Toolkit. Like request has gone goodbye and a lot of our our, our toolkit DE type things. And there's been a refocus on the virtual DOM as as kind of the the main driver of, of Dojo framework. So, you know, yeah, check out the blog post. I put up a blog post on Dojo 4 or Dojo IO about Dojo 4 and the release. And there's tons of notes on there. And it was a huge team effort. Everybody has put in a lot of effort to it. So it's worth checking out. Yeah, definitely. And then the last thing worth mentioning is create React app. Their CLI has TypeScript support now, which is is kind of intriguing to me because I thought, you know, React, Facebook, Flow, you know, all that stuff was together and, and now there's TypeScript support. So that's, I don't know. That's, that's really awesome. And I think that came from TypeScript support being added to Babel now with the recent Babel 7 release. Yeah, you, you, you were telling me about that. Have you been able to play with it or is it just something you've seen? I have, I've played with beta versions of Babel 7 and its support for TypeScript, specifically with the upgrade tool and being able to walk the, a TypeScript AST using that tool. And it's, it's pretty cool. But other than that, I haven't really, really done that. The nice thing about, about this support, though, is that the TypeScript compiler by default is, is just a transpiler and it doesn't support any kind of polyfills or anything, whereas Babel has a little bit more support for that kind of stuff. And now that it can just natively understand TypeScript and compile that alongside everything else. It kind of eliminates a need if you if you have to use TypeScript and Babel in your projects, 
you can just use Babel now and also use TypeScript at the same time, so you don't have to use the TypeScript compiler specifically. And that makes it easier to... It just simplifies your build chain a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm. So when do you think we're going to start reducing our compile times in JavaScript now that we've <laughs> added a compiler? <laughs> uh, never. <laughs> oh, man. It seems like we keep adding more complexity, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a good thing, though, I think. like I, I definitely wouldn't want to not use a compiler at this point. I know that there's a lot of features that are added natively in, in almost all of the browsers now, but you just you never know where your code's going to be run. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how many people, or how many of our listeners remember writing code for back in the IE six days, where you had to write specific everything for every browser you wanted to target. But I would take compilers way over that or or anything else. Yep. Yeah. If you think about it, it's a lot like how jQuery was back in the day. Like there was a lot of issues and and problems between browser implementations of of different DOM things like being able to find an element and jQuery just came over and kind of smoothed that over with their own kind of language uh, for manipulating the DOM. And then that eventually just became part of the language going forward. So now we have query selector and query selector, all things like that going forward. And in a lot of ways, we're just going an abstraction higher and just writing the language that we want to write and then compiling it for the the various runtimes that we have to support. So we're really taking advantage of that. And I think that's a, a good sign. Yeah, we're putting the responsibility onto a tool rather than onto how we write our code, yeah. which is, I think, w- way better. I mean, that's the, that's the price that you pay for getting these big improvements over like the, the ability for your code to be correct <laughs> is to have some of these compilation tools and other tools added to your build process. But yeah, it's worth it. Yeah. I'm glad to see the integration now between these these Babel and TypeScript and these React and these libraries. Yep. So I think moving on that Nick got a question during one of his talks that he was giving. What's the story there? I actually got a, a question on Twitter, and it's it, it was an, kind of an interesting question, and I kind of like these problem solving type questions, and it was specifically related to types and trying to trying to set up kind of a pretty complex type based on the actual values. And so I thought I'd propose that to you as a, as a question, Neil, and it'll kind of lead into our, our main topic for the day, which is types and generic types. But the question is, could you take a, could you create a type that is based on a property on an object? Like say we have a, a property called has some feature that's a Boolean. And Mm -hmm. if that value is true, could we, also say that it should have another value that's a string as a, as a property on that object. And if not, then it shouldn't have that. So being able to type that correctly to say, depending on whether or not this value is true, this should also exist, otherwise it shouldn't. Yeah, and that gets, yeah, that gets into, into a couple of interesting things about the way that the type system works in TypeScript. The biggest one is that we can't use the type system on, on instances of objects. We can do some things where we can kind of extract the type from an instance and then use it within the type system from there. And that's using the poorly named type of keyword, which in JavaScript means one thing and in TypeScript in their type system means something else. But we can basically back out an object type from an instance and it'll identify Booleans and types and stuff like that. I don't know if we can do it in this case because we're checking to see if a Boolean is true or false. Mm-hmm. And the type system is more than likely going to extract it using the type of as a Boolean, not as the value true. But what we can do here is you can actually say that a value has the va- or a type is always true. You don't have to type something as a Boolean. You can type something as as a actual value. Like the the true literal. True literal. And you can do the same thing with strings even. And we're going to get into... You can even have like multiple types of, of strings assigned as part of an interface, right? Or as part of a class, where a class is just an implemented interface in TypeScript. We can't use interfaces to solve this problem because one of the things that we get from their type system as a whole is being able to specify logic in how we process types. So in TypeScript, there's an interface, which is basically just defining a structure and then they actually have the type keyword itself, which is sort of higher level operations on interfaces. Either in this case, what we want to use is something called a conditional type, where we can say if some condition's true, 
we want to make these changes to an interface. And if it's not sure, we want to make these different changes to an interface. And the other thing you can do with a type system is you can say, you can fill in generic properties. You can do what are called union and intersection types, which we're going to get into moving forward. So type is just a, a way to add logic to interfaces and classes. So in this case, what we're going to need to do is basically create a new interface where that feature is explicitly set to true, right? So if we have our, our root interface, we need to create another interface where we say this property is going to always be true and another one where it's just a Boolean, for example. And then we can take that object instance that you're talking about. We can assign it to a variable of that type where it's explicitly set to true. And what's neat when we do that is if we don't actually give it an object that has that value explicitly set to true, it's going to complain. It'll say, you've told me it's always true. You set it to false. I'm going to complain about that. And then what we can do is we can create a type where we say, for a given object, I want you to specify, I want you to tell me what key you care about. And I want you to tell me what value I want that key to have on that type. And then if that's true, I want to add a new property with a new type to that object. So it's really neat because we're going to get into this moving forward. We can do a conditional type to say, if those generic values that we've given are correct, combine the original type with the new type that has that key and that value. Otherwise, leave it alone the way that it is. So we're going to get into it as we go along, but we can say if there's a type that has a value that's true, we can combine it with another interface in TypeScript. Interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. a really good, interesting problem, I think, to, to try and solve. And it's, as you kind of mentioned, it leads into our, our main topic for today, which is kind of talking about generics. And, and I don't know if we, we made it clear, but that solution does involve generics and also other things that you mentioned, like conditional types and... Yeah, reading properties, yep. <laughs> all sorts of stuff. Yeah. It's kind of a neat example because as we're going as we're going to go through this, we're going to see how many of the different parts of the type system are used in just coming up with a solution to that problem. So yeah, that's basically what I, really what I want to talk about with this topic is that the type system in TypeScript is very robust. In a lot of other languages... The way that their type systems work, you end up having to cast things a lot. You end up having to even just ignore types in some situations and just say it's an unknown type or it's an any type and basically throw away the logic path that got you to the type that you're dealing with. And there are very few situations now in TypeScript that require you to throw away the type or even cast a type. And one of the only reasons that you would cast a type in TypeScript is if it could be one of two types. And even then, there's situations where you can avoid that if you're really trying to write clean code. And then even beyond that, if you do cast something to a subtype, it'll complain if you're doing it wrong. Yeah. So really just, you should avoid using any at, at all costs with TypeScript. And I think we're, one of the things that Nick brought up is that one of the ways you want to do this on existing projects is incrementally, right? Yeah. And what I'm going to be talking about is is more once your project has been completely updated or if you're writing, say, a library, which a lot of this is in the context of what we learned from Dojo 4, that's where you're going to want to do uh, stuff that I'm, I'm advocating for. Yeah, I've noticed that TypeScript has gotten a lot better with typecasting and forcing you to, to either use to use any if you're if you're upcasting to something that's that's more complex mm-hmm. or and actually explicitly say what you're doing mostly because whenever you get anything out of the dom it's it's the most basic thing the most basic html element and oftentimes you're like well this is actually an input element and things like that so they've gotten a lot better there and yeah generics have, have gotten very powerful and even then uh, one of the things i didn't i don't have in my notes right now but it's a good point that you brought up. There's a specific type of function in TypeScript that accepts generics and that will typecast a result if a condition is true. So if you do want to upcast it, one of the things that you can do is you can write a function that accepts that type, right? The lower level type that you're dealing with. And in that function, it can say, does it have these properties? Are these properties of these types? And if it returns true, then it knows the result is that different type. Oh, like a type 
type guards, things like that. Type, yeah. So I don't remember the name of it, but array.isarray in TypeScript, if you look at the documentation for it, you'll actually see the pattern that it uses, where if you call array.isarray on an object inside of an if block, because of their type guarding system, which we'll get into a little more moving forward, the result of array.isarray will mean that inside of the if block, that variable is now cast to an array. So they have this system in TypeScript where you can write a function to tell whether or not an object is a certain type. So then you wouldn't even need to use the typecasting system at all. You would just write that function that validates whether that's true. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, it does sound like kind of like type guards where you're, you're saying, does this thing match this thing? Yeah, and you'd write your own type card. Yeah, but no, nobody's got time for that. We just cast it to any, right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's, that's kind of the thing that I'm advocating for is that there's so much you can do now instead of casting to any that will ensure your code is not perfect, but like as close to perfect as you can get. I think that's, you know, that's the thing that we're, the reason we're so excited about TypeScript is that you can write code that is going to behave exactly the way that it should behave without having to write a ton of unit tests that check for these weird edge, edge conditions, right? The, a type guard function is your unit test to some extent. You're saying like, is it this type? And by writing the code that actually figures out whether it's that type or not, you are getting that type back automatically cast using their their type card system in TypeScript. Yeah, it feels good when you can write a function or use somebody else's function, no matter how mm -hmm. terribly it's written. Yeah. You can look at a thousand line function and then just look at the return type and say, okay, mm -hmm. TypeScript's got my back yep. unless they cast it to any somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah, so just don't. And that's I think that's the thing that I would I mean, as we're doing this, if you, if you guys can think of any situation where you can't use types, challenge me to defend it. Or if anyone listening is saying I can't use types to solve this problem, we can try to come up with this with a way to use types to solve that problem. I'm not like I'm not saying any of this is easy, but there are smart people on Stack Overflow in different chat rooms for the TypeScript community, even for Dojo where we can try to, to help solve some of these problems. Are you saying specifically where you you won't use any? I, I There's going to be, at the very end, we're going to get into one situation where the type system kind of fails, but they're actively working on fixing it. So we're, I mean, every single release, if you go through the release notes, every single release is, we fixed this thing where types weren't perfect, we fixed this thing where types weren't perfect. So even, even on the edge cases where the type system breaks down a little bit, they're they're working on those. So buying in as much as possible is worth it because as we move forward, as far as I can tell, they're going to solve every problem. I think what I'm hearing is Neil says, tweet him challenges at potted meat. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that's fine. see if you can stump him. Yeah. And, and if you do, then we have the help desk internally at SitePen that we can discuss that. I, I know Bradley is a big fan of the type system as well. So we every now and then we'll have kind of private chats with each other where we come up with complicated things that we're trying to solve. <laughs> Yeah, I think the toughest thing with with the type system right now is is accounting for the number of something in in tuples versus mm -hmm. letting it fail back to just being an array. Yeah, that's the one I constantly bash my head against. But we have we have variadic tuples now, so yep. yeah, and it just it just <laughs> got fixed, and and yeah, like you're saying, more and more stuff gets fixed, so it, it's good to see. Yeah, and I'm going to touch on that a little bit in in going through this because I find. There's some really cool things you can do with some of the new types that they've added. Oh yeah, like the unknown type. I'm super happy about that. Unknown type's crazy. Yeah, instead of cast, instead of having like whatever it's going to be from a, a fetch request, you can just say unknown and like tell people they got to figure it out, which is yep. way better. All right, yeah. sorry, I'm way off topic. No, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, then they, you know, then they can't mess with it. They have they have to deal with it somehow. Yeah. So let's take a step back and why don't we define what generics are and kind of start from there. Yeah. So in TypeScript on types, which is just a special keyword that I kind of touched on already, in interfaces, in classes, and in functions, we can, at the beginning of the definition, say somewhere in this definition, I'm going to be using the following undefined types. You can, with these types, specify what they extend. So you can say this type needs to start at this point. And you can 
even give some of them default values the way that you would give function arguments default values in TypeScript. And within there, beyond that, you can even do things like infer types where you find from that definition what someone else has defined it as. So that's really what it gives you is is kind of a template for individual types, for interfaces, for classes, and for functions. So like a really simple example that I, I think of when I think of generics is like if, if you were going to try and type out or create the types for like an array function, yep. an array can, t- can contain any value instead mm-hmm. of it. It can be an array of strings, an array of mixed values, an array of anything. But when you're typing that out, you can't say, oh, here's my, my types. And this is specifically for an array of strings. Yep. And that has a map function on it. Things like that. You would instead use something like generics where the types will be filled in later depending on what values you're actually working with. In this case, whatever values are in the array. Yeah, so like map's a good example where you might start with an array that has, where its generic type is all the different types that it holds. And your array function might standardize the return value of that array. <laughs> so our map, map, map can return one value, it can return multiple values. And that's where... Yeah, yeah, the type system, the generic type has just changed. The general object structure of an array is the same. What generics have been filled in in that array is the result of the function that you're calling. Mm-hmm. So really what we get is we end up with type safety without forcing users to use specific class hierarchies. This is the way that a lot of other languages do it, is they say, what specific classes are you using? And for the most part in TypeScript, what we're doing is duct typing. Right, we're saying that we have a specific set of properties that hold a specific set of types or values. And as long as those contracts are met, that's what we're dealing with. And it, and it makes the generic system super powerful. Yeah, because you don't want to type out every single combination of arrays you ever want to use. <laughs> <Yeah>. You couldn't. <laughs> oh, it challenge accept. No. <laughs> <laughs> and in, in TypeScript, the thing is that, and I've touched on it in the quiz question that Nick gave me is that the generic system has logic, right? We're dealing with not just, oh, this, we're going to fill in these blanks in this interface. We're not just doing that. We're saying this interface might completely change based on what generics it has. And that can be super, super interesting. So some of the examples of generic handling in TypeScript are arrays like Nick was touching on. And then like all the array functions really have some sort of generic system. We have things like partial, where we can pass it a type and it makes all of the values of all the keys optional. We have read-only, which does the same sort of thing, but with making them read-only. We have things like pick and record, which either lets us say like all the keys become this new type, or, or we have pick where we just select a subsection of keys and their values from an object. Record is useful for things like mapping, like the array map that Nick was touching on. We're, we're saying like all of our keys are, are similar, but we have new types on, the, on those keys. So you can really think of these as like a map function where it's taking in one type and returning a new type that you can yep. use and, and use on, on your objects wherever, wherever you need to. Yeah. Yeah, generics are kind of transformations a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like to think of them as like templates. And that's, I think of generic handling as uh, higher order programming for types. Right. And that's that's the the way that I learned higher order programming in terms of functions was to think of higher order functions as templates for functions where you fill in blanks using variables. And so I think of the type system in TypeScript as a higher order types where we're filling in the blanks with types. So in, in my head, those are analogous. If you understand higher order functions, you should understand the generic system in TypeScript because it's higher order types. That makes sense. <laughs> It's how I like to think of it. So some of the other generics they have, they have exclude where we can remove certain things from a list of types. We have extract, which lets us just narrow down things that are assignable to a certain type. We can remove nulls. We can find the return type of a function using one of their generic types, which is really cool. Uh, We can even find the instance of a constructor or the instance type of a constructor. So cool. Yeah, so you can do it like just with the built-in stuff. That's some of the stuff that you can do, which is really neat. I mean, it shows you the, the power of what you can do with generics. So I have a question. With yep. with uh, TypeScript generics, I've really only ever played with generics before in Java and mm-hmm. sort of templates in C, 
before, but I, yeah. don't, I don't think that those are really related. But how does the the generic type system in TypeScript compare to generics found in other languages? I mean, I think the big one is one that I've outlined, which is that it's it's based on property value rather than based on on class systems. But in, I mean, it's in a lot of ways it's similar to other languages. I I've never seen some of the logic stuff that happens in TypeScript and other languages. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I was thinking. I, I haven't seen that either. Yeah, like the conditional and the inference are kind of some of the huge things in TypeScript that I haven't seen in other languages. Yeah, so the the languages you described, Nick, C++ and Java, I've used them both. And the generics in a lot of those are are strict typing. So it's not like you can do conditionals in, in Java very easily. You know, uh-huh. it's, not a, it's not something that you would typically see because you want to have very constrained types and have very, very tight knowledge over what you're doing. But JavaScript is... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say that's the the structural type system of, of TypeScript versus like a more nominal type system in, in Java. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So a lot, of, a lot of the things you're seeing in, in Java or C++ is, is about really defining the rules of engagement less so than how I'm using this thing, which is more the duct typing models that you're seeing with TypeScript. You get type erasure from all of them, though. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing I want to talk about is, I think one of the things people think of when they think generics is having to explicitly fill in blanks, right? So they think that, like, I'm going to... I'm going to be using mapping and I need to tell the type system that all the results from this array are going to be this type. So I think they have to like call it, put the little angular brackets and fill in the blanks. But that's not generally what you have to do with the TypeScript's type system. Even though there are like gaps defined on like function calls, I think is one of the big areas that I'm, I'm thinking about here. If those types are also parameters, assigned to parameters, they will automatically be extracted by the type system. This goes further than just like simply extracting them. It can extract return types. I, I think we are we already saw that here. So like the map function in TypeScript will automatically know what types are passed in the initial array. And then it'll figure out what the return type is from the function. And it'll automatically build the return type as an array with those new types. So it can, you don't have to define what types are in your initial array. You don't have to define what types are in your return type in terms of when you call that function, right? You need to defer, you need to define them when you declare the array. You need to define them when you declare that function. But when you actually call the map function, it reads all those values for you. And this is the way that it works in a lot of TypeScript where even though you're saying this has these generic types, the way that you use them generally doesn't really require to be explicit in terms of filling in those types when you call a function. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that generic system, the type inference of the generic system has gotten really smart lately. Yep. And that mm-hmm. can actually go into tuple types now and figure out individual types of array elements and assign those to to whatever you need to at that point. So if you had something like a flip function, you could actually push in like a, a two-element tuple and have generics to each of those positions and then actually use those generics to flip the positions and on the the return type and TypeScript will pick all of that up. It'll infer all of those types out of those tuples. Yeah. So one of the things that's happened recently is that in TypeScript, you can have variable arguments, right? Where you can say, I want, you can pass me any number of arguments. And what they've done recently is that they they've said, even if you're saying the user can send you any number of arguments, you can say it needs to fit this pattern. Right, And they call that the pattern, the type of object you use to fill in that pattern is called a tuple, which is what you were just talking about, mm-hmm. uh, which is just, you know, potentially positional arguments. And so what's neat in the last couple versions of TypeScript that have come out is that you can then infer that tuple. And then now you have an array or not, basically uh, of different types that you can work with. So one of the ways that we were messing with this in one of our projects is someone wanted to basically serialize function calls into a, a file and then call those functions in a type safe way with this serialized structure that they've created. And by being able to extract that tuple type, you can assign that type to the serialized function call. So it really lets you, TypeScript really lets you unpack function calls. It lets you unpack 
class structures. It lets you unpack all sorts of, of really complicated systems and then take those types that it's extracted, those generic types, and apply them to different objects. So it's really cool some of the stuff you can do. Yeah. So did wait a minute, did you use for that, did you use a generic to pick out the the parameters of the function? Yeah. And then serialize it, you know, turn the function into a string. Into an and array. And then into an array. Yeah. So like J- JSON, it would be stored in JSON. But it was all type. Okay, but it was it, it did end up be the function itself did end up being a s- string, and then you would deserialize like eval the function to bring it back yeah, yeah. in. Yes. And so you like use an the op- type system for that. Yeah. That's ballsy. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the yeah, the idea is that you'd have a stored object that has the each string is an array of calls of arguments that can be passed to it. And then you type that array based on the extracted type of those arguments. So then you can store kind of instead of having to make explicit function calls, you store just arrays of the different properties that can be passed to it. That's really cool. One thing that I think that this simplifies is where I'd have fixed type, fixed length tuples that I would want to use like in a function. To get that to type correctly, I would have to often resort to function overloading and explicitly have a different method signature for each length of arguments that I want to be able to yep. accept and then have just the final one be a, a rest operator or a rest mm-hmm. variable that contains everything because I think, I don't remember if it's type tip three or three, one, I think three. Okay. That adds this, but you can, you can simplify all of that down to just a single method signature and not have to do that overloading. And it also yep. supports optional arguments inside of that tuple. So you can really define exactly what you want and be very explicit without having to write a lot of code, a lot of boilerplate yep. code. Yeah. It's really nice to be able to do that. Yeah. So some of the other ways that you don't really have to be explicit with generics, you can end up with default assignments. So you can say, I, I actually have this placeholder here that I can't extract, but you don't have to give it to me. There's a sensible default I can use. So in Dojo widgets, for example, in our widget widget core in our in our framework, there's a way for you to fill out what properties your widget accepts. But by default, it's just the default widget properties. It's there as a as a slot for you to fill in in terms of defining the type, but it it's given a, a value automatically, one that's sensible. So you can write a widget really fast without having to define all the generics that it uses. Yeah, and then I've gone over how it can infer a lot of types from what's passed to it. So even though generics have these slots for you to fill in, half the time you don't need to fill them in. And especially if you've structured all, all, all your return types and arguments correctly on the functions and interfaces that you're dealing with. So Neil, when would you add a default for a generic over just allowing the type system to pull it off of whatever it happens to be, whatever it's inferred from your code? Yeah. So like in, in the widget system, that, that thing that you fill in is for a, a class basically. And that the value there is assigned to a property on that class. Right, so it's not something that is passed to that class as an option. It's something that that the class is going to define as part of its setup. So that's where I'm saying, like, it, it acts in that case more like a template for something than a manipulation of something. And that might be that might be the right way to say it. Right, you'd use a default where you're templating something out, and you would use you would rely on the inference if it's some some situation where you're turning something into something else. Okay. I think that makes sense. So you, you use the defaults essentially for objects when you want to default an object type and you wanted to s- define a specific scope of that object type. Yeah, and when you're when you're not really when it's not starting from something, right? You're mm-hmm. not you're not taking an initial state and creating a new state. You're only creating a new state. That's where you'd really want to use defaults and fill in the blank type behavior. So like array array mapping functions, you're starting with an array. You're starting with a known type. And then you're mapping it to a new type. Whereas like if you were just defining an array, you would fill in the generic types because you're not starting from any point. So it's just, yeah, are you mapping something or are you creating something new? That makes sense. So when you're creating something new, it defines like rules of engagement. This is, this exactly. is what I intend to, this, to be the basic shape of this. And if you want to define it further, that's fine. But otherwise, yep. here's my basics, basic shape. Yeah, you're saying you have to, you're saying I have blanks that need to be filled in. And you can force the user to fill them in by not giving them a default. You can force the user to 
start from a start from a certain starting point by saying it extends a certain type of object. And then you can say, like, I'm going to fill it in for you automatically by giving them defaults. But yeah, it, it's something where you have to fill in a blank. How you get the thing that fills in the blank is either explicit or implicit. And that's what you're starting with. Yeah. And this sounds really g- generic now that we're talking <laughs> about it. <laughs> it's super generic. But, but in, it, in its use, it, it becomes very apparent in, in why you would want to do this and when. Yeah. Yeah. So from there, where I want to go to is union and intersection types because they fill kind of two different roles. Union type is when you're building up objects, right? You're saying, I want you to start with this type of interface and I'm going to add new keys and values to it. I want to combine keys and values from more than one type. So in the the quiz question that it gave me, we were going to say, if it meets some condition, I want you to add a new property to it. And that's what we would do with a union type is it would be the existing type and then just use the ampersand and then a new object that just has that key and value assigned to it. So it has another interface added to it. And that's a union type. And there's also intersection types where you can say it's going to be this object or this object. And you end up like, so arrays are such a good example of a union type where your array might have two different types of objects, right? So then the type of an array is say, let's say string or number. And then on top of this, it has type guarding, which we talked about with writing type guarding functions, where you can say if type of this is a string using the JavaScript syntax of type of, then within that logic block, it will take only the value of that intersection type that meets that condition. So if you have a string or a number inside that logic block, it'll be a string and inside the else, it'll be a number. So it's got this type that is not just a way of saying there's ambiguity, but it also allows you to do conditional branching. Yeah, so those those union intersection types, when you use them in generics, those expand out, right? Yeah. Across all usages of those generics in the way that yep. union intersection types do. Yeah. Which also is why you want to be sure to use the extends keyword, because mm-hmm. if you have properties that you depend on, you want to make sure that those properties exist in, in your object across all of your, your intersections. Yeah, so if you, uh, if you pass an intersection type to something that expects a property to be there and one of them doesn't meet that, it'll complain. Yeah. So it'll say like, well, yeah, it works for this type, but the other side of the, of the union type, it won't respond to that. So then it's, it's basically saying like, before you call me, make sure that you narrow it down to just this one type. Once you've narrowed it down to just that one type, then I'll be happy with what you've given me. Yeah, so like extends really represents the the smallest or the most this yeah the smallest if we're gonna go with shape I guess mm-hmm. thing that that'll fit into my my condition of my yeah. usage case, mm-hmm. and um, then you can go crazy from there. Like you can extend and use type guards and and everything else like that to add additional properties and complexity to your handling. And that's the other the other thing about intersection types is it allows you to use the conditional type system in TypeScript as well, which is which is really neat. Which I, I want to kind of get to more in a second here. Hmm. So one of the big things you end up with on top of all these systems that we've gone through so far is really kind of the heart of why this is so appropriate for JavaScript, which is you can full on manipulate all keys and values on a given object type. You can just go, you can really create from a certain type, you can create a completely new type based on the shape of the original object. So there's a number of things that allow you to do this. One of the big ones is there's an operator called key of, and for a given object, it returns a type that is all the keys of that type. So I think it's as a 3-1, it'll be a string or a number or a symbol. Whereas, I mean, if you know how JavaScript works under the hood, technically everything, every key is a string. Except the symbol, right? Except for symbol. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but so, so now the type system, it, the type system basically says, I don't care that that's what it's doing under the hood. If you've defined an object that has numerical types, I'm going to obey that contract that you've created. So it's got key of, and that'll actually extract all the keys out of that object. So you can do really interesting things from there. Like now you have a list of all keys of that object. One of the really neat things you can do is you can say for the first generic, I'm just going to say any type of object. So like you'll see the word, the letter T a lot in generics. And then the second one, you can say, I'm going to have another generic called K and I want that type to extend a key of T. 
So what this means is that the type system now, if you pass it an object, it's going to extract the type from that object. And then when you pass the key as a second parameter, it's going to check to see if that's a valid key of that initial object. So now you end up with the type system complaining if you give it an object that doesn't have the type that you said that it was going to have, or a key that doesn't have that type. So just to ground it, if you wanted a function that it would extract a value given a property yep. of an object, mm -hmm. you would have your T be any, or you could specify a property that you would plan to extract. And then you would have your key of, of that object. I guess your, your object would be the T. Yeah, so you need so another you, generic if you wanted to specify the value. Yeah, so you'd, ha you'd have a function that accepts T and K, which extends a key of T. Your first argument would be type T, and then your second argument would be type K. So then you could have the return value of it be actually T square bracket K. It's the other thing you can do with TypeScript is you can actually say that you want the type to be extracted from a property of a type. Right. So you can then define... You say your first argument is this type, your second argument is, is this key of that type, and then your third argument is the type of that property of that key. So then in that function, you just return, you know, object parentheses property. So the type system now has front to back ensured that that key is in that type and returned the type that is that property's type. Yeah. And now everybody can use your cool extract function without <laughs> having to think about it because TypeScript will infer all of that from yeah. what you pass into it. Yeah, you don't need to define any of those in the generic placeholders. You just call the function with those values because it can figure out what they're supposed to be. So that, like being able to do that is really, really cool. So I'm going to kind of jump around in terms of what I have defined. But once we have those keys from that object, we can manipulate the keys. There are other generic types that let us do things like blacklist keys. So we can say from those list of keys, we want to remove some keys. We can take those list of keys and we can use another type called pick, right? Which let it, we're, everyone's smiling right now because we're having a little chat in the background. <laughs> so we can take those keys, we can use pick now, and that just removes a subsection of that object. So we can really take a larger object using just a number of keys from that object. We can create a new object that's, a new type, I should say, that is just a subset of those keys. So we can whitelist keys, we can blacklist keys, we can create new types that are just subsections of that initial type, which is really, really cool. We can do modifier assignment as well, which is what partial and read-only do. This is using something called a map type. So a map type says you can only do it, it's kind of a weird structure where you say this is going to iterate over all keys in this object, either by explicitly saying I want you to go through all keys or you could have passed keys as part of the generic assignment. And what it'll do is it'll go through all of those keys that you've defined, and you can make modifications to how those are assigned. You can make them read-only. You can make them optional. You can do conditional type assignment within each of those keys, right? So you can say, if, if that key extends string, change it to a different type. Otherwise, leave it the way that it is. So you can do conditional types within your mapped type. This is what read-only and partial do. On top of that, you can explicitly add modifiers. So you can say, I want you to remove read-only from this if it exists. You can say, I want you to make something optional. So it's got like little plus and minus signs where you can target specific modifiers within those map types. On top of that, you can use the keyword never to remove keys from an object. So you can assign the type never, and then that type doesn't have that key anymore. And then the type system will complain if you do pass that key, even though you said, don't pass me this key. So you've gone over everything you can do mm -hmm. in the type system and generics. What <laughs> can't you do? What can't you do, Neil? <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of touched on higher order functions a little bit as we were talking about this. I think there's, there's a certain irony in that I said that generics are higher level or higher order functions for types. Because one of the things you can't really do with the type system is higher order functions. <laughs> a good example of this is let's say that you pass a bunch of functions, like so you pass like four functions and all of those functions have a variable number of arguments in them that meet a certain type. There's no way for you to define that right now, right? You can't have like dot, dot, dot this type. So if I wanted like a bulk execute function where I could just pass any number of functions to it that had the same properties. The same argument type, yeah. Yeah, 
I couldn't pull out the argument types of all those functions and guarantee that they were all the same and then make no. sure that my, my function that strung them all together. So basically RxJS. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, so they, they have, it's called a, a variadic, variadic type. I think we'll try to put the the issue in the show note that they're working on right now. So you can, they have some really good examples of where it's useful and what problems you run into and whether it's worth it or not. And it's an open ticket in TypeScript right now. Cool. So to kind of wrap this up, it, it seems like there's a lot you can do, but it does seem like it can be a little bit of work to get this, to get everything yep. to be typed correctly. So for sure with that, can you think uh, of a time when it's especially important that you do have correct types and maybe a time when you can be a little bit more laxed on that? I mean, if you're going to throw an exception, <laughs> potentially, <Yeah. laughs> that should definitely be something you watch out for. Yeah, th- there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that if you're not passing it like a function and it needs a function, it's going to be really upset with you. So if you don't ensure that a property holds a function and then you decide to use it, yeah, that would be a mess because it you try to try to call a function on undefined and it's going to be really upset at you. Yeah, <laughs> one one example that I'm thinking of is like if you have if it's not something that you're exposing as like part of your API, then maybe you don't have to. And it's really hard to add these types, or there's a lot of work that has to go into that thought process. Maybe that's an area where you can be a little bit more relaxed because. It's it's not going to affect the the users of the API because it'll, it'll it's just like private or internal to a specific class or function or or module where it might be okay to to not be a hundred percent thoroughly typed. I think the kind of one of the things you're getting at there is if you're used to other languages, you might be tempted to say like in the the object that you're passing me needs to fit this interface. Mm-hmm. So I think the thing that you're kind of getting at is don't require an entire interface to be passed if all you care about is a couple of properties right typed in a certain way and that's where i mean that's really the power uh, of working with this is you can limit it to the lowest common denominator you can say the interface just needs these things to be defined in this way and i don't care about anything else and, and that's really that that's kind of hard for people that are getting into typescript together head around you're not saying like i care about the, the, the types that i've defined you're saying i care about what this function needs you're saying i care about what this interface needs and in that case, I mean, I don't, I don't see why, why you wouldn't want to be explicit about everything. Yeah. Unlike other languages where you're defining and declaring at the same time, so mm-hmm. you're creating classes and that defines your types there, TypeScript gives you the ability to separate those two and you can just define interfaces. When you want to define those interfaces, you can do it in line. Like you don't have to create an object to define an interface. You just yep. say, this is my interface. And this is what it looks like. And here's the shape which is really powerful. My interface is any. <laughs> <laughs> it's your spirit interface. <laughs> and there's even a way to define an interface as having specific keys and properties. And for everything that I don't know about, it needs to fit this pattern. So you can say, I want you to have numeric keys for all keys that I don't know about, and they need to be one of one of these two types. So you can really specify any, any object type you want. Yeah, you can find your spirit interface. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) Cool. So maybe do we want to move on to the the next section? Yeah, I don't think I have anything more to add. Otherwise, other other than like, there's no excuse (laughs) other than higher order functions. Cool. I think we've burned a ton of time, so I, I won't spend too much. But I just wanted to mention that our Phoenix TypeScript meetup is in Phoenix. Funny, right? Yeah. On Tuesday, November 13th at 630 and Nick, you had something too. Yeah, Nebraska JS on October sixth, which is a Tuesday, we'll be talking about Dojo and modern Dojo, and with that TypeScript. So, very exciting. Cool. And then I had a quick tip that I wanted to share for working with TypeScript, and specifically working with projects where maybe they don't have proper ambient type declarations for it. So, like a JavaScript project, but you want to be able to to use it. And you don't want to just litter your code with any everywhere, your spirit interface. So <laughs> because because that will make it harder to go back later and maybe add types in. And so one thing that you can do that's really pretty nice is you can create a bunch of aliases to any for specific types. So for example, in the CLI upgrade project, I'm using JS Code Shift and didn't find ambient types for that. But instead of just having any everywhere in my code, because I want to try and have 
strictly typed things, so no implicit any everywhere. I actually aliased any to a number of different types, so collection, JS code shift itself, path, and expression, and then I used those. And later on, if I want to add more specific types or more specific interfaces for those, I can just delete those type interfaces and immediately I'll start getting errors in my editor. And then I can fill in with the appropriate interfaces going forward. It's a good tip. Yeah. yeah I think, yeah, the, the idea that you can use ambient type declarations to just make things work and then expand them as needed is one of the cool things that TypeScript offers. I think now we have a shameless plug section too. Yes. <laughs> so just a quick shameless plug that the Nebraska JavaScript conference, all of the videos are now online and we'll have a link in the show notes to those. We mentioned it here because we did record live shows. Neil, you and Brian did yep. quite a few of interviews with speakers there. And so it, it was really great. And if you want to check out those, the talks that those speakers gave, you can do that on YouTube. Yeah, I think there's some a couple of things we talked about where if you hadn't seen the talk, you'd be completely lost. We talked about like something called CRDT, which is a, a way of applying actions to an API. And if you hadn't seen the talk, you'd be like, I don't know what these guys are talking about. <laughs> we tried to keep it simple. but So if you listen to any of those and you were like, I want to learn more about what they were talking about, they're all up. Cool. And your theme for that was space, right, Nick? It was. Just because I wanted to wear a space suit. Yeah. Was there a lot of cool star wipes and everything on the videos. (laughs) (laughs) Nick's like, oh no, I have to go back and edit a bunch of videos. (laughs) Never mind, they'll be down for a while. (laughs) Cool. Well, I think that's all we had, right, Neil? Yep. That is cue outro music. (laughs) I want to remind everyone we work at SciPen and we are all amazing amazing engineers. (laughs) Such ego, Neil. (laughs) I wasn't including myself. I was being humble about myself. I was promoting everyone else in the company. Oh, then that's sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. Thanks for listening to the podcast and we will see you guys on the next episode. See ya. Thanks all. Bye. Thanks for listening to the TalkScript podcast. You can round out your TalkScript experience by viewing our show notes, listening to past episodes, subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, and of course, following us on Twitter at TalkScript. We record new episodes every other week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of TalkScript, a superset of a podcast about JavaScript. We got a good thing going on. Bah, bah, bah.